If you'll open your Bibles to the Psalms, uh, Psalm 32, it says it's the Psalm of David. Uh, in my Bible here, it says Maskell, and that means uh, uh, from what I was reading today, that it means that it's a Psalm of encouragement. And uh, so we want to be encouraged tonight as we look at some of the situations that David goes through, as we listen to his, kind of listen in on his prayers and his words, uh, it encourages us. Psalm 32, starting with verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is uh, covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and is in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eyes. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which has no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, rejoice, yea, rejoice, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Heavenly Father, I take so much comfort from your word. Your word is life. Your word is truth. Your word is here to minister tonight. And God, I pray that we would have open hearts and open minds, that the Holy Spirit might take from that which belongs to you and apply it to us, that, Lord, he might be able to lead us into all truth. God, we pray for the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit to rest upon all of us, that, God, you might be glorified in our midst. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a lady who lay dying, and she turned to her sister and she said, Please get the Bible and check the passage about the blood cleansing from sin. 
She says, I fear that my sins are uh, too great to be forgiven. Look whether it says all sins or only sin. For I, I just don't hardly remember which it is. So her sister turned to the Bible and found the passage. And she says, these are the exact words. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. And the lady said, oh, how sweet. Now there's pardon for all of my sins. Hallelujah. Praise God, there is forgiveness for all of our sins. And here in the first verse, he says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Transgression in the Hebrew signifies passing over a boundary, going beyond the, that which is legal. If I was to go out hunting and I seen signs on this property and it said no trespassing, and I went onto that property, that would be a trespass. I was going where it wasn't legal to go. And that's what this transgression's about. It's going beyond the boundary. It's going beyond what God would allow you to do. You see, they could eat of all of the trees in the garden, but one. And they chose to partake of that tree. They went against or beyond what was legal for them to, to do. And of course, there's always consequences. If I break the speed law, if I'm out here, I don't know, I, I was going on the thruway yesterday and my wife was driving and she said, uh, tell me, have they raised the speed limit on the thruway? She said, I'm doing 65 and everybody's passing me. Uh, so, but there's supposed to be consequences when you break a rule. Otherwise, uh, a rule is just mere good advice. You know, we'd like you to go 55. But if you don't, well. See, God has given us a way to live. And we can choose either blessing or cursing. And when we go beyond what God has intended then we choose the consequence. It's not God trying to be mean to us. He knows what's best for us, amen? And so when we break God's laws, we bring guilt and shame, and uh, it can even bring sickness and death. I read a book by 
Dr. Cho, who has the, the last I knew it was the world's largest assembly of God. I guess it still is. I don't know if he could say he's got the largest Sunday school. I think the largest Sunday school is down here in Metro uh, Assembly in New York City. What was the figure on that? 10,051 in Sunday school. That's a pretty good-sized Sunday school. But Dr. Cho, he has something like, uh, the last time I heard, he had something like 6,000 deacons. Uh, to, uh, it was uh, around 500,000 in a membership. But he wrote about, uh, there was a man who brought his wife to Dr. Cho, and uh, she was in a wheelchair. And she was very sickly and unable to walk. And the man said, I've had her from one doctor to the other. And uh, they, they seem to accept our money, and they give us a diagnosis, and... And they give us pills, and still she's no better. And uh, so out of desperation, I brought her to you because really you're the only chance we have. She has two beautiful children to live for, and she just don't seem to even have the desire to live. And so Dr. Cho told the husband to leave his office, and he began to, to talk to the lady. And finally, God gave him a word of wisdom. And he spoke to the lady, and he said, you're going to have to confess your sins and ask God's forgiveness before you can be healed. You have sinned, and you have hid this sin and until you're ready to confess it and put it out of the way, you can't be healed. And it seems that the lady, uh, a number of years before, had cheated on her husband and had committed adultery with her brother-in-law. And this guilt and this shame had just weighed so heavy upon her that she couldn't take it. But once she confessed her sin, she was instantly healed. Notice in verse 3 and 4 here, it says, When I kept silent, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Can you imagine the heavy hand of God upon you? And your bones feel like they're old and brittle. and, and A sin that they just would not confess. You see, forgiveness is a necessary thing. 
we need God's forgiveness when we sin. And we need to forgive one another when we sin. I've seen sin not only tear up individuals' lives, and unforgiveness just absolutely drive them away from the Lord, but I've seen unforgiveness tear up homes and uh, break the best of friendships. Forgiveness in the Hebrew here is to take off, take away. How many of you have read Pilgrim's Progress? You remember when he finally, the load came off, the weight that he was carrying on his back? How much lighter he must have felt? Do you remember when you first came to the Lord and and uh, God forgave all of your sins and all of a sudden you just felt so good? Remember that? Well, that forgiveness is still available. You see, just because we've been Christian for a few years doesn't mean that we should say, well... I know better, and therefore God can't forgive me. We need forgiveness as well as the unsaved. And forgiveness is needed whenever we're not doing what God has intended for us to do or when we've gone beyond what he has intended for us to do. Blessed is he whose sins are covered. You know, that's, that's the whole idea of the blood of Jesus Christ. The sprinkling of blood, it was to cover the sin. Not only to cover it, it eradicates it. It removes it. We have... All sin and come short of the glory of God. And sin, the word for sin most used in the New Testament is missing, means missing the mark. If I had a target up here and we'd have circles and each circles inside of the circles and finally right in the middle would be the bullseye. That's the mark. If you if you hit anywhere else, you've missed the mark. The mark is the bullseye. See, God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. And if I miss the mark, how many of you know or have done enough uh, shooting of bow and arrows or, or guns or something else that you know it's pretty easy to miss the mark? even sometimes miss the whole target. 
<laughs> it depends on if you're a bad shot or not. You, all you got to do is jerk at the wrong time or flinch or close your eyes or squeeze the trigger too hard or jerk it or... It's easy to miss the mark. It's easy to miss what God intends for your life. I don't think that Christians intentionally, and I hope that this is true of all of us here, that we don't intentionally go out and do what God has said don't do. I would hope that that's not true for anyone here. But it's pretty easy when the Bible says that he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it's sin. Sometimes we know what we're supposed to be doing in that sense and we miss the mark. And the beauty of it is the Bible says if you sin we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Glory to God. God knew that I wasn't going to be able to, to do exactly what I was supposed to be able to do, that I was going to grow in grace. And as I grow in grace, I'm going to need forgiveness when I miss. And he provided for it. And we're harder on ourselves sometimes than God is. God would forgive us like that. And we, we kick ourselves around the block. And God says, it's all right, son. Come on, pick it up and let's go again. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I know that David had committed a terrible, terrible sin. He had a man killed. He had committed adultery. Yet, he said, when I kept it to myself, why, my bones, they, they just waxed old. And God's hand was heavy upon me. But when I confessed my sins, oh, glory. When he confessed his sins, things changed. Look at Exodus thirty-two twenty-five. And when Moses saw the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. He's not talking about taking their clothes off. He's talking about a transgression before their enemies. Uh, 
a nakedness uh, of committing sin before they're the unsaved, the uh, nations around them. See, the garments of our merits are always too short. No, no matter how we try to disguise our nakedness, it just doesn't work. In the Garden of Eden, they tried to use fig leaves, and it just didn't quite hack the, the course. It took God and the shedding of blood to provide the covering that man needed to provide, provide a covering for our nakedness. And we need to borrow from Christ's merits. Revelations 3.18, if you'll turn back there. He says to the church of Laodicean, he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, there you go, white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. See, we need this covering. We need the white raiment. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 11. There's a story here about a king who he had had a marriage feast. And he, and he told them to go out and, and there, there wasn't enough that came that they had invited. And so he said, go into the highways and the byways and, and go out and, and, and bring them in, you know, so that uh, my house might be full. And in verse 11 here, it says, and when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith to him, Friend, how, come thou, uh, how comest thou in here, hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He, he just didn't have an excuse. Speechless. And I thought about that, and I thought, well, this is strange. Here he has told him to go, verse 10, told his servants to go into the highways and gather together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. So it wasn't because they were good, but it was whether or not they had put on the garment. And how could this one man be singled out from everyone else as not having a garment on? 
apparently everyone that showed up was offered a garment to wear. And we find over in Romans, the 13th chapter and the 14th verse, it says, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. See, we got to take off these filthy old rags. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Take them off. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the wedding garment. This pure white garment that you can get from the Lord that comes by grace, not by price. Amen? But it's up to us to put it on. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes not iniquity. He doesn't impute iniquity. Blessed is in the pearl, uh, in the plural. In other words, a double joy. You, you're doubly blessed if you don't have, if he's not going to impute those uh, iniquities. Iniquity uh, means what is turned out of the proper course or situation. It's out of what's supposed to be. Uh, Aben Ezra paraphrased it this way, uh, this uh, rabbi. It says, of whose sins God does not think, does not regard them so as to bring them into judgment, reckoning them as if they were not. Just like your sin wasn't even there. And when God does that, when he reckons your sins as not even being there, aren't you blessed? Amen. Amen. In Jeremiah 31, 34, uh, we're, we're told that God, having forgiven sin, he will call it no more into his remembrance. Once God forgives your sin, he's never going to recall it. He's not going to come up to you a few days later when you sin again and say, hey, I just forgave you the other day for such and such and bring up all your past sins to you. He's not going to do that. The devil might, but God won't. God, when he forgives your sins, he forgets them. It's as though you had never sinned. I just think that's so tremendous. In Micah 7, 19, it says, He will cast all our sins into the depth of the sea. Just absolutely do away with them. It says here in our psalm, in whose, in whose spirit there is no guile. He who is forgiven must deal honestly with himself, with his sins, with God. Forgiveness and peace is not caused by playing tricks on your conscience. 
you're not trying to play mind games with yourself. It's not self-deception. It's seeing sin as it really is, confessing it to God, and accepting and trusting God for the forgiveness and the eradication of it. That's what forgiveness is. Well, we've run out of time. Let me give you the conclusion here. Forgiveness is an act of God's free grace and God, in forgiving sin, remits the guilt and the penalty. The guilt and the penalty. Forgiveness of sin is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Before sin is forgiven, it must be repented of. Repentance is a qualification not a cause. Just because I repent is not why I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven because Jesus Christ bled and died for me. But when I repent, it qualifies me to receive of that which God so freely gives. And without the repentance, there can be no forgiveness. And one thing that always takes place when revival begins to take hold in a community is you will see people repenting of their sins. crying out to God for forgiveness because they begin to, the Spirit begins to show them just how short they fall of the glory of God. I was talking to a woman the other day about being backslidden and she said, what is backslidden? Backslidden is just not being where you should be. Isn't that right? It's possible for Sunday school teachers and pastors to backslide in heart, in attitude. And I think that when revival takes hold, we begin to see things the way they really are because the Spirit begins to reveal them. And we're not ashamed to cry out to God because we realize that that's our only source. And as we cry out to God, forgiveness comes and we become a blessed people. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven, taken away. It's so easy to be self-righteous, isn't it? I wouldn't dare 
begin to ask God for forgiveness in front of this group because what would they think of me? See, that's the attitude that most of us get. We're too holy, too churchy to ever cry out to God for forgiveness. But until we're ready to get down to business with God and, and, and admit sin and see sin as sin and ask for his forgiveness, we'll never be a blessed people. Oh, Lord, it's me. It's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Father, I'm not talking about someone else. Father, I'm talking about my relationship. God, I know that I am far short of what you have determined for my life. God, they don't have to be gross sins. It only has to be missing the mark. And God, I'm sure I have missed the mark. And I come tonight and I, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ and I ask for your forgiveness. I ask God that you would begin to work in my life in such a manner, in such a way that, God, you would bring me to that place that you want me to be. God, may we be as putty in your hands. May we experience that forgiveness that brings relief of all guilt and shame, knowing that we're in the will of God. As Jesus said, the devil comes and he has nothing in me. Lord, which one of us here tonight could say, if the devil was to appear before us, could we say that the devil cometh and he has nothing in me? The only way we can stand before the world and before this arch enemy is to kneel before you in humbleness of heart, realizing that we indeed need forgiveness and plead the blood of Jesus. Father, forgive us tonight. Give us a new start, a new beginning. Work in our hearts in a new way, drawing us ever closer to yourself. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you.